Okay, so here we go. We are just going to jump in. Welcome to the Thrive Podcast. I'm Kathleen Drennan, corporate executive turned creative entrepreneur. In this podcast, I'll share all we've learned about marketing, money, and managing your mindset. I'll provide you with the tools and templates you can use today to grow your business and move one step closer to creating your best life. Ladies, you got this. Welcome to episode number one of the Thrive Podcast. I wanted to say, first of all, thank you guys so much for joining me today, and thank you so much for those people in my life who have really pushed me into podcasting and say, you just have to start, you just have to start. Um, I will probably say um many times, and I'll see if I can edit it out, but we'll also just take it as it comes and see how we go. And I'm pretty much sure this is not going to be that pretty, but I am absolutely committed to taking a first step on this new adventure and happy to see where this road takes me. And I want to just say thank you guys again for joining me. I thought in this first episode, it might be worth taking a bit of time to tell you my story, share a bit about how I landed in the world of floristry and paint a bit of a picture of the business that we run today. And this is probably my third or fourth time starting to record this, this episode. And the first, first one or two times I realized you know, I wanted this to be kind of 15 to 20 minutes long. And if I'm going to talk for 15 to 20 minutes, then I probably need to tell some pretty detailed parts of my life story. And it's a really odd experience to actually write down how you got to where you are today. And if nothing else, guys, I highly recommend it. If you never share it with anybody, just write down a little bit of a biography of how you landed to where you are today and think back of all the things that you've accomplished because it will blow your mind. It absolutely will blow your mind. So that's my first little bit of advice to you. Anyway, so um, if we rewind a few years, I grew up on a small island on the west coast of Canada called Salt Spring Island and it was an island of a few thousand people at the time in the 80s. Um, It was such a small island that I remember my parents didn't actually pay any rates to council because there was nothing, no services to pay for. Um, They would have paid for water, but there was no garbage collection. And as my dad once told me, he said, well, there was no sidewalks to keep up. So you didn't have to pay council to keep up the sidewalks. Um, I think I was probably seven or eight when the island got its first traffic light. (laughs) Um, So imagine all those things and that's what it was about. But my childhood was absolutely amazing and it was very hippie, very low-key, very laid back, very simple. Um, At the time my parents didn't make a huge amount of money and that was fine by us. I think we, I lived in hand-me-downs. I was the youngest of my family's group of friends and most of my baby pictures, I'm either not wearing clothes or I'm wearing hand-me-downs from cousins, friends, my brother, didn't matter. I was a pretty cool looking kid though. And so when I was 16, I saw a film called Picture Perfect with Jennifer Aniston and I absolutely knew in my soul so deep down in my soul that from that moment on, I wanted to work in advertising. 
And so my initial idea was to go a bit more of the creative path, become an art director, make my way into advertising through what I considered a bit more of the artistic route. Um, I remember telling my dad my idea and he convinced me otherwise. So instead, I decided to go the uber intense business path, um, went to the University of British Columbia for my Bachelor of Commerce and majored in marketing. I did well. I did really well. I was on the dean's list, top 10% of my class, very typical overachiever, type A personality, all coming to life. When I graduated, I had my pick of jobs and took up the chance to join one of Canada's top advertising agencies. And when you're on the lowest rung of the ladder in an advertising agency, you get to join in on all the things. You get to do all the, in quotes, glamorous jobs like meeting notes, photocopying, get coffee for clients. Um, but being a little bit less sarcastic, I did get to participate in some amazing, you know, coordinating things for television shoots, radio recording sessions, even being extras in photo shoots. And from day one, I was so hooked, 100%. And I think I look back now and I realize so much of that is because I was surrounded by some of the world's most ambitious people wanting incredibly ambitious things in their life. So at the age of 24, I was working in advertising and I truly thought I had made it. I was making decent money. I was living in the most ridiculous apartment um, because it was a tiny studio little apartment, but it was on the second floor of a building. So I had a patio that was massive, <laughs> so massive. And it was unbelievable. And I was probably paying more in rent than I needed to, but it was phenomenal. And this little island girl had grown up and become the big city girl leading the big city life. And, you know, I think back to my life when I was in my 20s and it was amazing. I had some amazing friends. We used to do things like go to the art gallery openings on Friday nights and go out for dinners and go shopping and go to the movies. And it was phenomenal. And there are some things from a work point of view, too. I look back in terms of actually working in advertising and some of the things that I really loved. And the first one is you are surrounded by smart people, ridiculously smart people. And they're smart in a way that you probably don't come across in more traditional kind of corporate jobs because they have this level of creativity to them. And whether they work in the, quote, creative department or not, everybody who works in advertising, even, you know, the guy who um, does your uh, financials and your bookkeeping, they still have a level of creativity to them because they have to understand how advertising works. And... So with that creativity, I like to think that it comes with a very special variety of human. Um, and most people kind of work in advertising as a stepping stone to something else, whether they know it or not. Um, but those people that I work with now, I look back at, and they've gone on to become photographers. They've written books. They've made films. And seeing where these people have landed five to ten years later is so incredibly inspiring. Some of them have even gone on to you know, become CEOs of multinational companies. Some work in Silicon Valley. Some decided to partner with somebody else that they met in an agency and create a boutique social media group. And I don't know, it's so fun because there's this balance between being ridiculously intelligent, creativity, and I think everybody also has this underlying entrepreneurship within them. Um, that varies depending on, on who they are. But of course, when you're dealing with people of those personality types, there are some challenges to overcome. And I think the biggest one for me was the egos. And 
to be completely stereotypical, it was the male egos and the male egos at the top of the agencies. And, you know, there weren't, there's, you know, I could count the powerful women, and I use that term very particularly, the powerful women that I have worked with in my career on one hand. So many of the men I could just completely forget. And I think, you know, I'm not quite sure why, but there were times where their behavior was just so childish. And I can actually tell you guys a story about two guys that got into a fist fight in their office with each other, full on Canadian ice hockey style. And of course, in typical advertising agency style, at the end of the day, one guy got fired and the other guy got promoted. And so there is a reason that that show Mad Men was so successful is I truly believe that the writers had so much truth to base their story on. And so much of it's happened, so much of it's real. And it was such a great experience to go through. But I don't know, as kind of a young, ambitious woman, I kind of knew that I wanted more. You know, I I wanted more than just kind of the craziness that was around me. And in January of 2008, we were living in Vancouver and Vancouver saw some record-breaking rainfall. So it literally rained for 30 days in a row. And Sloan, my uh, partner, and I were falling into a bit of a routine that neither of us particularly wanted to be in. And he and I kind of were just going through the motions and living, you know, probably a bit of a drab routine life that we weren't all that excited by anymore. And we could just tell we we're both really itching for a change and wanting something different, wanting something more, just knew that what we had at that particular moment in time wasn't going to be it. Little did we know that when we kind of put our hearts out there, that it would bring a change and a big change. <laughs> so we, Sloan and I were on holidays in July of 20, 2008, and we spent two weeks camping through Washington and Oregon's uh, Washington and Oregon, I should say, uh, traveling down to see a friend of Sloan's in near Yellowstone National Park. And as you do when you're on holidays, and particularly as your holiday comes to a close and you're about to return home, we're having those kind of little bit far-fetched discussions around what we wanted to do with our life. What was next? Are we really going to just go back to Vancouver, settle down, keep working in advertising, um, keep doing the same things? you know, probably get married, have babies, live in suburbia, all of those things I just was so against, was not me. That is not for me. That is not what my heart is calling me to do. And so we started talking about the idea of moving, probably trying a new city and thought, well, maybe we could move somewhere else in Canada. Or what about moving somewhere in the US? And then just kept going further afield and thought, okay, no, let's, let's scratch all the assumptions. And if we could go anywhere in the world, where would we go? We both said France was number one for us. And then the idea of Australia came up. And I had always had such a fascination with Australia. One of my closest childhood friends was Australian. I remember when we were in grade one, we had an exchange teacher who was from Australia. So all these little bits of my life had kind of come through. And in a weird roundabout way, it just felt like the right thing to do. And from a very practical perspective, Sloan's dad is actually Australian. So from a work point of view, Sloan had dual citizenship, so he could get a job, no problem. I did a very quick Google search and found because Canada is part of the Commonwealth, I could get a working holiday visa for $90. So all of it just kind of felt right. It didn't feel 
as big or as overwhelming as it might sound to other people. So we just started giving it more and more consideration. I remember vividly telling my mom and dad and just how excited they were for us when I said this is something we were looking at. And every single time I told somebody new, they got so excited. And that excitement just built up even more and more. And we just saw all of that as a sign that we're heading in the right direction. And so in a four-month window, we decided to sell our house in Vancouver and move, pack all of our stuff up and move halfway around the world to Australia to a country I had never been before. And I don't know, you know, when your heart just tells you that something's right, well, Australia was absolutely the right thing for us. So we landed in October of 2008, uh, which many of you might remember, Australia coined as the global financial crisis. So at the time we landed, uh, there wasn't much, you know, in terms of freelance work in advertising. And so lots of clients and ad agencies were just kind of trying to keep costs minimized just with the uncertainty of what was happening. And so it probably took about six months for me to land my first job, which was a bit stressy at the time, but it was fine. It always works out. And then by, I think it was July of 2009, I had landed a permanent role um, as the business director of one of Australia's national TV brands. And I think at the time it was one of Australia's top advertising agencies. So kind of finally landed in a place I was really happy. And I ended up actually spending another two years working at that advertising agency and headed up uh, the Luxottica brands, did some amazing work for Expedia Travel, and also um, was part of the pitch team that landed the Domino's Pizza account. And I do kind of remember my last couple of months there and working on that Domino's Pizza account win and it had dawned on me, and this is going to sound a bit crazy, but I equated selling pizza to people as almost the same as selling cigarettes to children. And for those of you who know me now and my food journey and my health journey, it's you can see why it's just so out of alignment and I know it's a bit absurd, but um, it's those two things you should not actually be comparing selling cigarettes to children and selling pizza, pizza to the general public. But it's just such a good example of if you actually take a step back and look at what you're doing, you can get so wrapped up in so many other things and realize it's just not in alignment. And again, I just came into this phase of going, you know what, my heart is telling me more and my heart is telling me more. And so again, turn to the Google and stumbled upon a master's program at the University of New South Wales and signed up for crazy 18 months to get my master's in marketing. And signing up for more education was a great way to step away from advertising and, and get into the broader world of marketing um, because advertising is basically just one kind of facet of the whole world of marketing and entrepreneurship, really. And so from, I guess I was halfway through my, doing my master's, I landed um, the opportunity to, to lead the marketing for the state tourism body um, and actually working with some of the most iconic regions in Australia to promote tourism and encourage Australians to explore more of their own country. As a Canadian, this was a brilliant opportunity to travel and see you know some of the best of what this country has to offer. And as Aussies would say, it's bloody spectacular. <laughs> um, and 
in another little kind of turn of events, so one of the blessings of actually working for a government agency is its particular structure and the way that they like to work with contractors um, actually allowed me to set up my own little creative agency. So in 2011, um, I kind of see that as the beginning of my real entrepreneurial journey, um, running and starting my own little creative agency, um, working with my own copywriters, art directors, web design teams, working directly with the media agencies and kind of taking all my expertise in working with an advertising agency and translating that into packaging it up and pitching it to the state tourism body. And it was great and it was amazing for a while. Um, but of course, as, as government does, for those who've ever worked with the government, it can eat away at your creativity a little bit. And one of my all-time favorite copywriters um, coined the term putting the idea through the blander. Um, and I think that just sums it up so well. So thank you, David, for coining that phrase because it still sits with me. So in early 2013, I was kind of looking for a way to reinvigorate my creativity. I knew I needed some sort of creative outlet, um, something I could do on the weekends or something I could do just for a bit of kind of rejuvenate, rejuvenation, get back in touch with my soul, pull up my Crayolas, didn't know what it was. And so as a total happenstance, I was reading a book by Mary Kay Andrews called Save the Date. And the lead character in that book is a florist. And she actually runs a boutique flower shop in the south of the U.S. And for the first time, my eyes were open to the world of floral design, to floristry as a thing, as a creative outlet, as something that people actually did as a job. And so I turned to the Google again and found a short course at one of Sydney's top floral design schools. And I was so excited. I had signed up for a short course that was five, um, I think it was Tuesday mornings, um, and I still remember getting in the car after that first morning and going, holy shit, this is a thing. This is a thing that pulls together so many things that I absolutely love. Some things I didn't even realize that I loved. And things like design and color and texture and understanding how things actually kind of work with each other or fight against each other in terms of design. But it also brought together... Um, I guess some of the intricacies of business, of client service, I was 100% completely, totally, utterly hooked. By the time I got home from that first session, Sold and I had convinced ourselves to register for a stand at the local farmer's market, to set up a pop-up florist, test the waters a little at the local market, see what happens, and just dabble our fingers in it, and I don't know, it just felt really exciting. And so that was the beginning of Little Bird Bloom Flowers in August 2014. I was still doing my government agency gig by day and we were crafting our flower business on the si as our side hustle on the nights and weekends. And after I finished up that five-day morning course, I decided to go all in, get my full certification up in Sydney. And so I started traveling um, from where we live now up to Sydney uh, one to two days per week. So it was about an hour and a half, two, hour, two hours each way, um, sitting in a classroom, learning all the things about floristry and working my way through kind of that certification. And so then in December 2014, we heard that the local flower shop um, in the Southern Highlands, was, um, she was hoping to sell the shop. I also knew the minute that I heard that in my heart, I knew that was the right thing that we should be doing. And so in May 2015, we became the proud owners of a little shop called Blooms a Barrel. And three and a half years later, it's now December 2018, and Sloan and I own 
what is a very busy brick and mortar shop. Uh, it's currently open seven days a week. We do an average of 150 transactions a week and almost three quarters of a million dollars in sales over the course of a year. And we have kept our little bird bloom business separate. So that focuses much more on the wedding and events business. Uh, we grew that from what was literally $0 to about $200,000 in sales a year. And since we started that that business in 2014, we have done more than 300 weddings. And so obviously it takes a big team to make all this happen. And today there are eight of us working in this business. We currently live in a small town about 90 minutes south of Sydney, Australia. And by small town, again, I mean small town. The town that we actually live in is around 7,000 people. It's part of what might be considered a collection of villages that probably has... I don't know, maybe 50,000 people within a 60-minute drive of us. Um, it's not your typical kind of Australian, Australiana, I should say. it. You know, you can see a lot of the English influence in terms of what it is like to live here. Um, it has snowed once before in the winter where we live, and summers are still really warm. Um, it's elevated, so we get those really cool nights and really warm days in the summer, and it's beautiful, and I absolutely love it. And as I think back on, I don't know, the last, I just turned 38, so the last 38 years of my life, and I look back on my career, and so many things stick out in my mind. And my 16-year-old self had some very clear ambitions. And I think I actually managed to check every single one of those things off my list. And that's crazy. And I don't know, I got to work in New York City. We actually shot a TV commercial for Expedia there. And while I was working in Canada, I worked with the Canadian Tourism Commission. And that took me to New York a lot. And that was just... I don't know. At the time, I don't think I appreciated what was happening and it gives me literally gives me goosebumps right now. So that's really exciting. I got to experience some of, I don't know, some of the most amazing landscapes and travel experiences that I don't think others will ever be able to experience in their lifetime. I went kayaking around icebergs in Newfoundland and we ate fresh caught lobster on the beach, literally cooked over an open fire. I drank wine in a bistro in Montreal and I got a massage at the Banff Springs Hotel. Seriously, people, this was all part of my job and it's like something from a novel. It truly is like something from that, that movie. And I got to work with some of the smartest people I will ever come across in my life. People who taught me so much about business, about managing finances, about talking about money, about making money, about how to be effective with your time, about how to persuade people, about how to work with all these different kinds of people, about how to deal with difficult people, about how to have difficult conversations. All the things, just all the things. And I have very recently been on a bit more of a personal journey trying to figure out, well, what's next for me? You know, we've We've got this flower shop, we've got this business, but there's a part of me that I know wants more. And so we turn to today and my mission. And in 2015, when we took over that flower shop, we had no idea what we were getting into and no idea what to do. We just had to rely on our own experience, our own intelligence, our own instinct. And it was hard, hard work. And it's still hard work. It's not a joke, it's still hard work. We were thrown so far into the deep end in those first probably 18 months of that business. And I so wish I had somebody to ask questions to. Any question, 
any question, big or small, I just wish I could ask. Do we stick with Interflora? Don't we stick with Interflora? How do you create this website? What do we do? Where do I even begin to go in terms of managing staff? How much should they get paid? Are there hours, are there restrictions on the hours that they can work? How do I get more leads for weddings? What kind of weddings do we want to do? How the heck do I cost out this reference photo that this bride has sent me? How much do I mark up this product or that product or this sundry or that hard good? How much do I charge the stem of Alstroemeria at? How many bunches of Alstroemeria do I even buy? How much would I charge for labor if we're doing something specific? How much do we charge for delivery? I don't know, all the things. There were so many questions and I just keep coming back to going, oh my gosh, I wish I had somebody that I could ask those questions to. So that's what I've decided I'm gonna do. I am an open book and I'm happy to share anything and everything that we've learned. Lots of things we tried worked, so many things didn't. And Sloan and I still have this constant. I wake up at least once a week and I go, hey, I just had this idea. Or hey, this isn't working for us anymore. Oh, hey, let's stop doing this. Oh, hey, let's start doing this. And I don't know, it still happens and it's still, I guess, really embracing the entrepreneurial side of it and just running with it. And so I want to share everything that we've learned with you guys, help you set you on your path to success, help you overcome those hurdles and show you what is possible in pursuing your creative path. And I would absolutely love to hear from you guys. Whatever's on your mind, any questions, big or small, give them to me. And I'm happy to provide whatever guidance I can and tell you what we've done in a similar situation. Tell you what's worked for us, tell you thoughts on anything. Um, there's no kind of one answer will solve all the problems in the world, but I'm happy to help in any way I can. Tell me your challenges, ask me your questions. No joke, anything is fair game. So reach out on Instagram at littlebirdbloom, that's where you'll find me. Or visit our website at thrivepodcast.co and there'll be a little contact us pop up there if you want to send us a quick note. Anyway, I'm so sorry if that was ridiculously boring, but this is an interesting experience. So that's me telling you guys a little bit about my journey and how we got here. And I am so looking forward to seeing what comes next and cannot wait to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. Don't forget, ladies, you got this. <laughs>